Chapter Five of Prisoner for Blasphemy by George William Foote. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five: Another Prosecution. In the month of November, eighteen eighty-two, I announced my intention to bring out a new monthly magazine entitled Progress. Several friends thought it impolitic to launch my new venture in such troubled waters, and advised me to wait for the issue of the prosecution but i resolved to act exactly as though the prosecution had never been initiated it seemed to me the wisest course to go on with my work until i was stopped and risk the consequences whatever they might be the result has proved that i was right but i do not wish to boast of my judgment for when i was imprisoned all my interests were fearfully imperilled and everything depended on the loyal exertions of a few staunch freethinkers of whom more anon who stepped into the breach and defended them with great courage and ability until i was able to resume my post progress made its due appearance in january eighteen eighty three and notwithstanding the extraordinary vicissitudes of its career it has flourished ever since without any solution of continuity while i was advertising progress i was also preparing the second christmas number of the freethinker the announcement of its contents caused a great deal of excitement and i am prepared to admit that it was to use a common phrase the warmest publication ever issued it was full from cover to cover of what the orthodox call blasphemy and it was speedily described by the christian press as more outrageous than any of the ordinary numbers for which we were already prosecuted the description was perfectly correct i had concluded that the wisest policy as it was certainly the most courageous, was to disregard the blasphemy laws and defy the bigots, to show that free thought was not to be cowed or intimidated by threats of imprisonment. Facing the enemy boldly appeared to me better than running away, a course in which I could see neither glory, honour, nor profit. Even if I had consulted my safety above all things, I should have seen little wisdom in flight, and, being shot in the back, while no less dangerous is far more ignominious than being shot in the front i have paid the full penalty of my policy i have suffered twelve months torture in a christian jail yet i do not repent the course i took and ever since my release from prison i have felt it my duty to continue doing the very thing for which i was punished being tastefully got up well printed profusely illustrated and extensively denounced by the organs of toryism and piety this christmas number had a very large sale yet strange as it may sound to some bigoted ears mr ramsay and i were after all several pounds out of pocket by it the expenses being altogether out of proportion to the price and our object being less material gain than the wide dissemination of our views with the knowledge of this pecuniary loss in our minds it may be imagined how grimly we smiled when the council sternly alluded to our nefarious profits i shall have occasion to deal with the contents of this christmas number when i explain our second indictment which i repeat as there is general misunderstanding on the subject was tried before the first and resulted in judge north's atrocious and almost unparalleled sentence during the interval between the publication of this budget of blasphemy and the date of our summons to answer a criminal charge founded on it 
i had several interviews with mr e truelove a gentleman well known to all advanced people in london as a veteran champion of the freedom of the press at the age of seventy after a long life sans peur et sans rapproche this fine old reformer was dragged by the paid secretary of the society for the suppression of vice or the vice society as cobbett always called it into a criminal court to answer a charge of obscenity the objectionable matter was contained in an extremely mild not to say mawkish essay on the population question by robert dale owen a man of literary eminence in the united states and once an ambassador of the great republic like ourselves mr truelove was tried twice before a verdict of guilty could be obtained his sentence was four months imprisonment like a common felon mr truelove was indisposed to reveal the secrets of his prison-house out of a tender regard for my feelings but seeing that i preferred to know the worst he told me all about the felon's cell the plank-bed the oakum-picking the wretched diet and the horribly monotonous life my chief feeling on hearing this sad tale was one of indignation at the thought that a man of honest convictions and blameless life should be subjected to such privations and indignities it did not weaken my resolution it only deepened my hatred of the system which sanctioned such iniquities from america however came a piece of bittersweet news mr d m bennett editor of the new york truth seeker had just died his end was hastened by the heart disease he contracted while undergoing imprisonment for an offence similar to that of mr truelove yet almost at the moment of mr bennett's death another jury had found another publisher of the very same work not guilty i learned from the new york papers that the acquittal was partly due to the impartiality of the judge partly to the progress the public mind had made on the population question and partly to the fact that the accused publisher conducted his own defence here was a gleam of hope i also might meet with an impartial judge i also might find a jury reflecting an enlightened public opinion and i also was resolved to defend myself alas i did not know that i was to meet with the most bigoted judge on the bench and to plead to a jury exactly calculated to effect his vindictive purpose on thursday december seventh eighteen eighty two we published our second christmas number of the freethinker i will deal with its contents presently when i have narrated how it led to our second prosecution let it here suffice to say that it was undoubtedly a very warm publication and well calculated to arouse the slumbering blasphemy laws some freethinkers even were astonished at its audacity a few belonging to an old-fashioned school and a few more who were assiduously courting respectability resented our action although as the vast majority of our party were of an opposite opinion they refrained from expressing their reprobation too loudly in reply to their murmurs i wrote an article in my paper on superstitious freethinkers it appeared in the number for december thirty one and thus appropriately closed a year of combat a few passages are perhaps worth insertion here it has been said of robert burns that although his head and heart rejected calvinism he never quite got it out of his blood there is much truth in this metaphor burns was in religious matters one of a very large class many men rid their intellects of a superstition 
without being able to resist its power over their feelings even so profound a sceptic as renan has admitted that his life is guided by a faith he no longer possesses and we are all familiar with instances of the same thing reverting to avowed freethinkers it is evident that some of them who have lost belief in god are afraid to speak too loud lest he should overhear them how old are you monsieur fontenelle asked a pretty young french lady hush not so loud dear madame replied the witty nonagerian pointing upwards what fontenelle did as a piece of graceful wit some freethinkers do without any wit at all they object to laughing at the gods whether christian brahmanic or mohammedan and perhaps they would extend the same friendly consideration to mumbo-jumbo strange that people should be so tender about ghosts especially when they don't even believe them to be real ghosts to the atheist all gods are fancies mere delusions not illusions like the philosopher's stone witchcraft astrology holy water and miracles i am as much entitled to ridicule the gods of christianity as any other freethinker is entitled to ridicule the miracles at lords and when taste is dragged into the question i simply reply that there is as much ill taste in the one case as in the other all that this taste can mean is that no devout delusion should be ridiculed which is itself one of the greatest pieces of absurdity ever perpetrated it would shield every form of spiritual lunacy in the world these squeamish freethinkers don't object to ridicule in politics literature or social life they rather approve punch and the other comic journals even when these satirise living persons who feel the sting why then do they object to ridicule in religion simply because they still feel that there is something sacred about it now i insist that on the atheist's principles there can be no such sacredness and i decline to recognise it i take the full consequences and claim the full liberty of my belief christians may of course urge that their feelings on such a subject as religion are sacred and a few superstitious freethinkers may concede this monstrous position i do not the feelings of a christian about father son and holy ghost are no more sacred than my feelings on any other subject i have no quarrel with persons and i recognise how many are hurt by satire but the world is not to be regulated by their feelings and much as i respect them i have a greater respect for truth every mental weapon is valid against mental error and as ridicule has been found the most potent weapon of religious enfranchisement we are bound to use it against the wretched superstitions which cumber the path of progress intellectually it is as absurd to give quarter as it is absurd to expect it my answer to the free thinkers who would coquette with christianity and gain a fictitious respectability by courting compliments from christian teachers is that they are playing with fire let them ponder the lessons of history and remember clifford's bitter word about the evil superstition which destroyed one civilization and nearly succeeded in destroying another fortunately however the logic of things is against them broad currents of thought go on their way without being deflected by backwashes or eddies or spurts into blind passages 
free thought will sweep on with its main volume and dash against every impediment with all its effective force well i exercised the full liberty of my belief and i had to take its full consequences yet looking back over my year's torture in a christian jail my conscience approves that dangerous policy and i do not experience a single regret in the same number of the freethinker i referred at some length to tyler's prosecution which was dragging along its slow course in a way that must have been very provoking to mr bradlaugh's enemies by dexterous manoeuvring and skilful pleading that litigious man as the tories call him had managed to get two counts struck out of our indictment the result of this to mr ramsay and myself was nil but it brought great relief to mr bradlaugh and made his acquittal almost a matter of certainty meanwhile our christmas number was selling rapidly in a few weeks it had reached a far larger circulation than had been enjoyed by any freethought publication before naturally the bigots were enraged both by its character and its success many religious journals and especially the rock clamoured for legal protection against such blasphemy irate christians called at our shop in stonecutter street purchased copies of the obnoxious paper and flourishing them in the faces of mr ramsay and mr kemp declared that we should hear more of this to which pious salutation they usually replied by offering their minatory visitors a dozen or perhaps a choir at trade price similar busybodies called at mr cattell's shop in fleet street and plied him with cajoleries when menaces were futile one of them indeed attempted bribery he offered mr cattell half a sovereign to remove our christmas number from his window what a wonderful bigot that detestable fraternity has nearly always persecuted heresy at other people's expense but this man was willing to tax himself for that laudable object surely he is phenomenal enough to deserve a memorial in westminster abbey or at least an effigy in madame tussauds presently our shop was visited by another class of men plain-clothes detectives they came in couples and it was easy to understand their business we were therefore not surprised when on january twenty ninth eighteen eighty three we were severally served with the following summons quote, to george william foote of number nine south crescent bedford square middlesex william james ramsay of number twenty eight stonecutter street in the city of london and number twenty brownlow street dalston middlesex and henry arthur kemp of number twenty eight stonecutter street aforesaid and number fifteen harp alley farringdon street london e c whereas you have this day been charged before the undersigned the lord mayor of the city of london being one of her majesty's justices of the peace in and for the said city and the liberties thereof by james macdonald of number seven burton road brixton in the county of surrey for that you did in the said city of london on the sixteenth day december in the year of our lord eighteen eighty two and on diverse other days print and publish and cause and procure to be printed and published a certain blasphemous and impious libel in the christmas number for eighteen eighty two of a certain newspaper called the freethinker against the peace of our lady the queen her crown and dignity 
these are therefore to command you in her majesty's name to be and appear before me on friday the second day of february eighteen eighty three at eleven o'clock in the forenoon at the mansion house justice room in the said city or before such other justice or justices of the peace for the same city as may then be there to answer the said charge and to be further dealt with according to law herein fail not given under my hand and seal this twenty-ninth day of january in the year of our lord eighteen eighty three at the mansion house justice room aforesaid henry e knight lord mayor london End quote. the james macdonald of this summons who played the part of a common informer turned out to be a police officer in the ordinary way of business he went to the lord mayor complained of our blasphemy and his own lacerated feelings and applied for a summons against us as a first step towards punishing us for our sins what a reductio ad absurdum of the blasphemy laws instead of ordinary christians protesting against our outrages and demanding our restraint in the interest of the peace a callous policeman has to do the work without a scintilla of feeling about the matter just as he might proceed against any ordinary criminal for theft or assault the real mover in this business was sir thomas nelson the city solicitor representing the richest and corruptest corporation in the world the corporation of the city of london might be described in the language which jesus applied to the town council of jerusalem eighteen centuries ago they devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. What could be more hypocritical than such a body posing as the champions of religion, and especially of the religion of Christ? If the prophet of Nazareth were alive again today, who would expect to find him at a Lord Mayor's banquet? Would he frequent the stock exchange, be at home in the guild hall and the mansion house, or select his disciples from the worshippers in the myriad temples of Mammon? would he not rather hate and denounce these modern pharisees as cordially as they would certainly hate and denounce him if the city fathers meant to protect the honour of god they were both absurd and blasphemous there is something ineffably ludicrous in the spectacle of a host of fat aldermen rushing out from their shops and offices to steady the tottering throne of omnipotence and what presumption on the part of these pygmies to undertake a defence of deity surely omnipotence is as able to punish as omniscience knows when to punish the theologians who as matthew arnold says talk familiarly of god as though he were a man living in the next street are modest in comparison with his self-elected bodyguard would it not be better for these presumptuous mortals to mind their own business it will be time enough for them to supervise their neighbours when they have reformed themselves with all their pretensions to superior piety and virtue they are notoriously the greatest ring of public thieves in the world and they are at present lavishly expending trust monies in a desperate endeavour to justify their turpitude and prolong their plunder according to our summons mr ramsay mr kemp and i appeared at the mansion house on friday february two eighteen eighty three the justice room was thronged long before the lord mayor took his seat on the bench and all the approaches were crowded by anxious sympathisers all the evidence was of a purely formal character it was a foregone conclusion that we should be committed for trial 
we all three pleaded not guilty and reserved our defence before leaving the court however notwithstanding his lordship's interruption i protested against the revival of an old law which had fallen into desuetude which had not been enforced in the city of london for over fifty years and which was altogether alien to the spirit of the age my remarks were greeted with loud applause by the public in court of course his lordship frowned and the ushers shouted silence but the mischief was done it was obvious that we had many friends that we were not going to be tried in a hole-and-corner fashion our case excited much interest in london most of the newspapers contained a good report of the proceedings at the mansion house and even the tory evening news which affirmed that we were three vulgar blasphemers undeserving of notice had as the leading line on its placard prosecution of the freethinker result the freethinker for february eleven contained an article from my pen on the infidel hunt and a very admirable article by mr wheeler on the fight of forty years ago narrating the trials of southwell holyoke patterson and other brave heretics mr ramsay did not then quite approve my attitude of defiance although he has changed his mind since he thought it more prudent to bend a little before the storm instead of daring its utmost violence he was also anxious to please those with whom he had worked before his partial alliance with me and who were not prepared to sanction his continued connection with the freethinker if he wished to remain with them for these reasons he retired from our partnership and i was at once registered as the sole proprietor of the paper this step naturally added to the danger of my situation and it was freely used against me at the trial but i had no alternative unless the free thinker was to go down and that i had resolved to prevent at any cost at the same time i engaged to take over mr ramsay's business at stonecutter street and to recoup him for his heavy investment and i am bound to admit that he behaved generously in all these arrangements on february eleven the following editorial notice appeared in my paper Quote, with this number of the freethinker i assume a new position the full responsibility for everything in connection with the paper henceforth rests with me i am editor proprietor printer and publisher my imprint will be put on every publication issued from twenty eight stonecutter street and all the business done there will be transacted through me or my representatives this exposes me to fresh perils but it simplifies matters those who attack the free thinker after this week will have to attack me singly i never meant to give in and never will so long as my strength serves for the fight whoever else yields i will submit to nothing but physical compulsion if the free thinker should ever cease to appear the free thought party will know that the fault is not mine certain parts of the mechanical process of production are dependent on the firmness of others one man cannot do everything but i pledge myself to keep this free thought flag flying at every hazard and if i am temporarily disabled i pledge myself to unfurl it again and if need be again and again de l'audace et encore de l'audace et toujours de l'audace mr wheeler stood loyally by me in this emergency his efforts for our common object were untiring and never was his pen wielded more brilliantly 
perhaps indeed he overstrained his energies and thus led to the complete breakdown of his health soon after my own imprisonment a few days later sir thomas nelson the city solicitor served a summons on mr h c cattell of eighty four fleet street who had so annoyed the bigots by exposing the christmas number of the freethinker in his window detectives also visited other news agents and threatened them with prosecution if they persisted in selling my paper it was evident that the city authorities were bent on utterly suppressing it they tried their utmost and they failed End of chapter five